on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we've been absolutely inundated with new shows as broadcasters do their level best to ensure that none of us are able to leave the house ever again. Amongst the pick of this week's crop is the return of Lisa McGee's Derry Girls and Channel 4's Leaving Neverland, which is not, as it might first seem, a sequel to the 2004 Johnny Depp film about J.M. Barry, but rather an expose of Michael Jackson's less family-friendly activities. We also spend some time with Richard Gere and Helen McCrory in BBC Two's Mother, Father, Son, watched Ricky Gervais go full bell-end in Afterlife and Rufus Jones go full Brexit in Home. I'm James Dyer and welcome once again to the podcast described on iTunes by Mark Maron brought me here as occasionally interesting. He goes on to explain, I can't help but feel that this could be a genuinely good podcast with the exclusion of James Dyer. His lack of understanding for comedy is just one of the things that makes it clear that he is woefully underqualified to host this kind of podcast. If he could go off and do his own Marvel podcast while the adults talked, this would be a must listen. Is that real? That's absolutely true. Did Take off iTunes. Hang no. On. Did you say Mark Maron said that? No, not Mark Maron himself. His, oh. This person's username is Mark Maron brought me here. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I was going to yeah. say. It's not actually Mark Maron. I mean, I still feel it's extraordinary, even though it's not actually Mark Maron. I think Mark Maron would probably, would probably agree. I'm sure he'd concur. Agree with this chat. But uh, to that end, uh, obviously my new spin-off podcast, I Thanos, in which I sit <laughs> in a booth snapping my fingers in the hope that at least half of all modern sitcoms suddenly disappear, will be launching soon. Joining me. As I once more set out to ruin this otherwise excellent podcast, are the two adults in the room. To my left is my podcast mum, the kind of mother I like to think who would happily leave me crying in the other room while she finished watching the latest episode of Young, Dumb and Banged Up in the Sun. It's Terry White. (laughs) I do like the thought of having pushed you out of my vagina. Excellent. You're not sounding very well. So you nearly lost your voice, haven't you? I have. Well, last night I'd lost it entirely. Um, when I woke up this morning, it started to come back. I'm kind of getting back towards full strength. And I, uh, I'm i trying not to kind of waste my words today. And I feel describing you coming out of my cervix was definitely not a waste of words. Right. Okay. That that seems perfectly reasonable. I think most of those words are going to be vagina. Yeah. I, just get I that think sense. you're probably right. Uh, you've just heard him, but my pod dad, on the other hand, and a man I clearly get my aerodynamic hairline from, is the kind of dad who's largely hands-off, spending his time watching television while leaving me in the care of, really, whichever celebrity friend he happens to be seeing at that given moment. Boyd Hilton, I have to say, I don't really feel like you're my real dad at all. I feel like I was basically raised by Russell Tovey. He was always there for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am old enough to be your dad, unlike Russell Tovey. <laughs> Right, without further tomfoolery, though, uh, let's crack on with what we've been watching. What have we been watching? I've been watching uh, True Detective. Um, oh. It it finished last about a week ago today. If you're listening to this, the day we come out usually Monday. Um, and um, I caught up with it in time. I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch the finale live, so to speak. Mm. And so I watched like three episodes last weekend to catch up with it. And I have to say, I felt the middle section of this series was a bit boring. And I thought it got a bit bogged down, and, mm. and it did that thing where in in a that kind of slightly unforgivable thing in a crime drama where it's not advancing the plot really, and it's just like there's more hanging about and cross crossing the three timelines and all of that. But I thought the finale was fantastic. It's a ninety minute episode. It's a it's a, it's a feature length episode, and I thought the best thing about it was. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but all I'd say is it does explain the central mystery of what happened to this the the, the children that disappeared, one of whom died and one disappeared. Mm very satisfactorily but what happens after that 
with the timelines and the way what it says about particularly Mahershala Ali's character, the central character, is really fascinating. I thought so. Oh, yeah, I, really I sure it. look forward to that. Yeah. I haven't I haven't picked up True Detective again. Uh, I, my dance card, as you know, has been full we of know. late. However, now that it's now that it's rather more empty, I have caught up on a few things. I finished Catastrophe. Which is very exciting well by, so I finally finished that. I won't talk about it because you've already covered that the other week. But, oh yeah, uh, we had a little uh, we had a we little did. WhatsApp group argument, semi argument yeah, about it. We did <laughs> well, about no. the ending, but of course we can't talk about that in case, in case people haven't seen it. But the conspiracy theories, yeah. which if anybody does want to know more, are all over the internet. Hadn't occurred to you, had they, James? No, I think it's it drivel. New, it seemed to be complete news to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it entirely at face value. I'm not reading into it at all, as is my way with all things in life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I've also picked up Sex Education again, because I never finished that, and I loved it, but obviously, you know, that other show took over. Yeah. Very excited to be getting back into that. It's actually better than I remembered, and I'm yeah, loving great. every second of it. It's, fa- it's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's all good. Terry, what about you? I and I tweeted about this last Sunday and immediately said, "Oh God, I should save it for the pilot podcast, which is Baptiste." Oh, which yes. is this is the missing spin-off. The missing mm. spin-off um, about Baptiste, um, and he is trying to solve this new crime. Um, you know, for those who haven't seen it, it's an elderly detective. Should we say elderly, we can, mm, right? Yeah, he's an old motherfucker. Um, and it's about it's got um, Tom Hollander in it, and he, he basically comes to Baptiste and says, "My niece is missing." In she worked in the sex industry in Amsterdam. I need your Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. I need your help in finding her. It's all not as it seems. You will be gobsmacked to hear. And amazingly, it has in it, and I want to get his name right because I would say it wrong, um, Alec, I can never say his surname. He, oh, yeah, from God's Own Country. From God's Own Country. Sakari, Sakari, Sakari on Yes, yeah. I don't want to pronounce it wrong. <laughs> no. um, but he um, he was one of the two leads mm. in God's Own Country. Francis Lee's amazing LGBTQ film set in Yorkshire from uh year before last. Yeah. And he is an incredible actor, um, and he's kind of one of the lead villains in this. It's um, I think it is Sekrano. Okay, um, yeah. It's roughly how you pronounce it. But I, right, I'm not like these classic BBC One Sunday night crime dramas, like a proper fucking nana, and not really normally my cup of tea. And I accidentally caught the first one, and now I'm like obsessed and I tweeted about it and loads of people were tweeting me back going no it's brilliant can you believe this bit can you believe this bit there are some twists which are just so stupid but it's I can't stop watching it it's like proper old fashioned do you know what it does it reminds me of like being at my nana's house on a Sunday (laughs) sat in front of the gas fire my hair drying in front like there's something really kind of even though it's dealing with sex and uh, prostitutes and murder and you know all bad shit. But this it's, is your happy place. We've established this. But it's something whole. It feels like a proper wholesome British kind of TV moment. So I am digging it. Was this like when you were growing up? Was this your version of like Highway with Harry Seacombe? <laughs> I mean, well, as you know, because we've discussed this before, I I just used to watch Scum on VHS over and over and over again when I was um, younger. So that was kind of oh, that, uh, that does explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. scum. That was my viewing. Bloody hell! I was obsessed. Wow. Yeah, that and the craze with the um, Kemp. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. the bit with still the, the best uh, craze film. Yeah, the samurai sword in the mouth. Oh, yeah. I love it as well. And Do you love yeah, it? Yeah, and the only reason we, we didn't review it, and I partly because it was a bit another busy week, not as busy as this week. But I thought you know you I thought you'd you'd snub it because it's got that Sunday night BBC, <laughs> which we can be. Let's face it, snobby about. Yeah. But it is it is so compelling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and in fact, even the first episode is is quite slow and deliberate, and then you get to that final scene, I mean, and you're like, whoa. And They're then, brilliant. The, the the brothers, what are they called? Williams? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are so good at deploying a twisty bit yes. in the middle of, of the story. And then episode two just goes yeah. all in. Yeah. You're all yeah. in on it. That's true, yeah. Baptiste then for you, which in no way segues into Make James Laugh, our new uh, <laughs> segment. Now, now I have to lay some ground rules here. Both of you, frankly, have fucked this this week. Why? Because I sent you the episode that we were going to be discussing and neither of you watched it. I can't even remember getting that message. <laughs> So I didn't even acknowledge your message, in and the I first didn't place. even know that was the that was See, the format. The point I is, the format you, is you review. Yeah. Yes, well, no, you watch it as well, so we can have a discussion. Oh, well, the say, thing what? is, we've probably seen it because yeah. we're not freaks like you right. in terms of never having watched any comedy shows. Fine. Well, with that caveat, this week's contender for Make James Laugh comes courtesy of Hannah Gatwoods at Harry Met Sally eighty six, who suggested Dan Harmon's Community, specifically season two, episode fourteen, Advanced. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. She's. Yeah. She, I, th- I feel yeah. she's yeah. cheating a little bit. Why did um, you pick that one, James? It, it seems that this is aimed rather well. So this this episode sees the gang settle down for a game of AD&D with a student called Fat Neil as a way of keeping his spirits up. And it all goes swimmingly until Pierce, who is, lest we forget, played by Chevy Chase and a massive twat, who was not invited, decides to crash the game. Now, do, did either of you watch Community? Yes, no. a bit. Yeah, well, it was hard when it went out. It wasn't shown here, really. I yeah, it got it did get yeah. aired over here eventually, though, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's now on all four, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. It is available. I must confess, I did watch season like the first season at some point. I've seen season one, but I never went in season two. So this is the first time I've seen this particular episode. The sitcom, if, if anyone doesn't know, uh, it's set in a community college with a bunch of students in a study group. It includes uh, Joel McHale as a kind of dodgy lawyer who has to get his diploma because he never graduated, and Chevy Chase is Pierce, a very mature student. It's got uh, Danny Pudi as Arbed and uh, Donald Glover as Troy. And those two, I always remember, those were my favourites in it. They were a really good double act in this. I've really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> it shouldn't shock you to hear. It's really, really funny. It's got it's got a lot of uh, invention to it. It's got like a, a Dungeon Master voiceover. It's, it's kind of pitched like a weird fantasy interlude. Uh, you've got Ken Long in Dark Elf Drow Blackface, which is quite special um, but is there some great moments when Piers when Chevy Chase gets the Dungeon Master's handbook and he's cheating and Alison Brie has this kind of sex scenario conversation with Danny Pudi's elf maiden it's very funny it's also quite tragic and dark because like the whole setup is that this guy Fat Neil was going to commit suicide so they staged this game of D&D to stop him from killing himself so it's got it's got some edge to it but I, again I think with every episode of this the chemistry between the cast members is really good they do slide into archetype I think a little regularly so Britta in particular uh, I think is guilty of that. But, but sitcoms yeah. do. Like, they do. Yeah. They do. Absolutely, they yes. do. Absolutely, they do. But uh, but no, I no, I really enjoyed it. It actually made me want to go back to this show. Yeah. Isn't this episode largely taking the piss out of notes? Like... I don't know what you mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, did this make James laugh? And the answer. <laughs> more importantly, the answer, Boyd, yeah? is yes. Wow. wow. It did in one particular instance. Once. Well, what? Yeah. Hang oh on, hang God. on. I laughed aloud once. <laughs> Anyone who knows me, this is a big deal. Like, I don't, even if I find something funny, I rarely laugh aloud. This made me laugh aloud once. In particular, it was when Pierce is being a horrendous bastard and describing in detail what he's going to do with Fat Neil's stolen magic.
magic sword, and it just it really did it 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 made me laugh a lot. How long did this laughter last? I mean, half a second, maybe. Mm. Something, but you know, but it was heartfelt. Mm. It was heartfelt. Yeah. Yeah. So well done, Hannah. You're officially the segment's first uh, first winner. Uh, <laughs> what did she win? My my laughter, my 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 mirth and respect. What greater prize can there be? Exactly. If you have your own suggestion for a comedy you'd like me to turn my notoriously humorless gaze towards, then do tweet it to me at James C Dyer, stating both the show and the specific episode. Shall we talk news? Yes. Yes. Go on, Em. Who's going first? Oh, Britbox. yes. We have to start with Britbox, yes. don't we? What the way? fuck is this? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but I paid for streaming service. We're showing shows that I already pay for via my license. Oh, oh, oh you're that guy. guy. Yeah. You're that guy on Twitter. Yes. You are Piers Morgan. No, I don't really believe that. I don't care. Because <laughs> it's not just BBC. It's ITV as well. So it's, yes, it's Brit, that's it's the point. Brit stuff. It's not yes. just BBC stuff. So we should, we should just clarify for those who haven't yeah. uh, been on the internet, which is that the BBC and ITV have confirmed plans for a joint streaming service um, and the uh, Lord Tony Hall was talking um, about what kind of stuff will be on there and he described it as the biggest collection of UK content available on any service. So you can, if you're American you can watch it already Oh, and that's coming to here See, this is worthwhile because a lot of people were saying, oh, but we've already got iPlayer. But iPlayer has very limited stock, doesn't it? Like, yeah. It doesn't keep a massive archive of stuff. It's quite current. So this enables you to yeah. catch up on the classics. Yeah, and for a limited amount of time, and then it moves off, off into other streaming platforms. So Gavin and Stacey, for example, is on Netflix. Um, I remember I saw um, Happy Valley in the US on Netflix. Like yeah. it, it becomes quite disparate. Um, after that, but I can't bear to subscribe to any more streaming <laughs> yeah. services. It's yeah. going to be the death of me. Yeah. And it is confusing, I have to it say, because when you've got you've got this, you've got the Disney one, you've got Apple's one. Will be starting at some point. What you really want is a single streaming service which enables you to buy bolt-ons. You know, so yeah. if you can combine all yeah. of these into one single service, just to make your life easier. Well, I think one day, considering if you've got Sky Q then you get Netflix via a button. If you pay for it, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course you have to pay for it, yeah. But what I'm saying is I think... But that's handy. Yeah, it's really handy. I I just think gathering it all in one place, it has to happen at some point. Well, and I've got Now TV and I subscribe to Netflix, but it's on my interface now. So when I go on to Now TV, I can choose iPlayer, I can choose Netflix, I can choose Now TV. And that's, I like it all being in one place, even if I pay for it separately. And I think it makes sense. I, I, I get angry. I'm annoyed that we have to sign up for so many subscription services. But in this particular case, I've always thought it's ridiculous that the BBC is giving away its treasure for free. Or, you know, that there's blood, sweat and tears and money has gone into creatively. Mm. And, you know, and it's just all there. It was something, And they weren't really thinking it through, I don't think, ever with the iPlay. They just kind of shoved stuff on there. Like, I'm talking vintage old stuff for free and I think it makes sense to make money out of it but what will be different I suppose right is that the likes of Netflix and Amazon and um, the Disney streaming service what's core to their business is original production right whereas this presumably because you have paid your license fee for the new shows that you get on the BBC so presumably the new shows will still originate on the linear TV channels which means on the streaming services you're essentially paying to watch old shows yeah which does suddenly feel weird and archaic already but, but there's there's yeah. a sense certainly like in terms of classic british stuff sometimes it's just you can't find this stuff 
And yeah. a lot of people don't do physical media. And so if it's not streaming, they can't watch it. It's like, how would you watch Knowing Me, Knowing You or anything like that? Because yeah. these things yeah. aren't really widely available. So. Knowing Me, Knowing You is, of course, on Netflix. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah weirdly. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, it is, it is odd. So I, but I think you're right. I think that's the point. I think, you know, young people, the, the kids. The kids, the millennials. If they, yeah. you know, if they're not watching it on Dave or whatever, you know, Gold, hmm. then I think they'll probably, I think the BBC and ITV hopes they'll go to BritBox first and see if it's there. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully a lot of the time it will be there. But I, I agree, it is a slightly confusing uh. prospect. Okay, so that's BritBox. Boyd, you must be very, very excited about one of the trailers that dropped this week. Oh my god, the OA. Yeah. Part 2 is back. It'll take your brain to another dimension, like the Prodigy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, this, I, there is no show that I'm more excited about than The Return of the OA. It looks say. demented. It, it will be demented, it looks demented, it takes place in different dimensions... It, characters we know and love will be in wholly new situations as if a different thing has happened to them in their recent history um, it's a great trailer though I thought it was it's so good and it was th- I thought what I particularly liked about it, there was a little bit there was it was quite funny there was the thing about who's the president and she's shocked yeah. about who's the president and all of that I cannot wait so it airs on March 22 that was only revealed this yes. week controversially so this, as March in a, 22 in a couple of weeks we're going to yes. be reviewing this yeah March 22nd I mean to be fair when the first OA dropped in 2016 it had even less advance mm. notice so it literally arrived with about a day's note saying right suddenly this thing arrived and that's why I lo- I, 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 you know, I binged the whole thing in one go eight hours I absolutely fucking loved it what? it's incredible and I cannot wait right the OA very exciting coming on March 22nd there was another teaser trailer actually dropped this week which I was very excited about which is the BBC His Dark Materials mm. adaptation which I'm cautiously optimistic about Obviously, The Golden Compass, the adaptation that sung New Line Cinema, essentially, yeah. was a disaster. Oh, that was so boring. It, it was terrible, <laughs> and they never even got to see the rest of the, the series. But this, this looks like it might actually be very good. It did look good, yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think it's important. I think they've, they've really put an incredible team into it. And they have. It looks quite expensive. Um, I think it's co-production, isn't it, with... Yes. 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 <laughs> Someone. <laughs> it's a co-production. Well, some is Americans. It, is it HBO? I think so. It's an HBO co-production, yeah. yeah. And so, and I thought it looked great, yeah. I thought the whole tone of it was really good, yeah. whereas the tone of the film was so mm-hmm. bland. Yeah, not good. It? Yeah. So, uh, got Logan's Daphne Keane as Lyra in it. Uh, who else is it? James McAvoy's in it. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Ruth Wilson is in it as well. This is good. This is one that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. This, so. and, this and Good Omens are both sort of floating mm. around the periphery of my radar as yeah. things I'm very excited about coming up. Um, <laughs> that, oh my god, that was a great face, facial expression. What was this? Yeah, I, didn't, I missed it. This. Was, it was a, it was derision? Der- of I'm course saying. it was. I expect nothing else. Oh. Go on, Terry. What was the derision for? <laughs> was it good omens? Was that what it was? Yeah, it was all of it. <laughs> was your very existence? Fine, um, fine. Just for that, just for that, I'm going to interrupt whatever you're going to say just to tell you that they've added three new cast members to season four of The Expanse. Oh, oh Jesus god. Christ! Da, da, da. <laughs> this is what we call. The Expanse Corner. (laughs) I think we may have to uh, produce this moment and and cut this out before you've even said it. I'm not even going to tell you who they are. I'm just going to say three new people have joined the Expanse season four. Hooray. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, Two hours ago, something more exciting happened, as in it was actually exciting. Um, Ava DuVernay dropped Uh, the trailer for what was originally called or was kind of had a working title of Central Park 5. And it's now called When They See Us. Um, it is a four-part series on Netflix. Um, it is out May 31st. And it's really incredible, actually. And she wrote a tweet and an Instagram post 
which both said, not thugs, not welding, not criminals, not even the Central Park Five. They are Corey, Antron, Raymond, Youssef, Kevin. They are millions of young people of colour who are blamed, judged and accused on sight. May 31st, a film in four parts about who they really are when they see us. Very, very, very powerful. And kind of going back to, obviously, she did Wrinkling Time, um, Ava DuVernay last year. Um, but this, her roots, really, as a filmmaker, um, were in Selma, were in 13th, both of which obviously deal in um, socio-political and economic injustice. And I cannot wait to see this. This has, this, this again, it's Terry White bingo, isn't it? This has every <laughs> single thing you like in it. It's got sexual assault. It's got people banged up in prison. It's got, it's in got social injustice. It's got a wonderful female filmmaker. Yes, I am all here for this. <laughs> yeah, and it has got a great cast. Yeah, well. it does. It does yeah, look absolutely does look brilliant. I can't, I can't wait. It also looks massively upsetting, but uh, I'm yeah, sure but it'll you be know, fantastic. you have to deal with these things. Yeah, but or, just beautiful. In your case, like that trailer, and and there were some images released at the same time, and it takes place. We should take place. It takes place across twenty five years. Uh, right from their initial questioning through to their settlement with the city back, I think, in 2014. It looks beautiful. I mean, just mm. the way it's shot and lit, it looks incredible. Um, so I can't wait to see more. What else have we got? Um, well, since we did a couple of Netflix shows, let's give Amazon Prime a Go shout on, out. Do it. Julia Roberts, yep. um, who was in one of their best things, Homecoming. I really loved Homecoming. I thought it was great. She's confirmed that she's going to do another limited... I mean, I think there is going to be a second season of Homecoming, but maybe a completely different story. But she's doing a show based on the book Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win. So can you I know just, this book? Have I, you read this book? Well, oh. so the woman who wrote it is a friend of mine. Oh, wow. So Joe, Joe Piazza. Piazza. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Everyone stop. <laughs> Is this are we, is Terry White's first celebrity friend? Is this what's happening here? <laughs> I don't think it's the first. I think I it might be. I think it's the first. Aren't you practically friend. mates with David Duvernay as well? Well, no, I've interviewed mm. him oh, okay. twice. Okay. I don't know. If, well, I mean, I can see I know speak. in the land of um, male writers who work for Empire, interviewing somebody twice means definitely, your family. Yeah, definitely. Um, I need to up my game because you two are basically my only celebrity friends and that's not great. <laughs> but Jo Piazza um, is a New York journalist. I worked with her for about 18 months. Oh, um, and she has written many, many, many books this one was about um, a what is it about oh it was about an ex kind of Silicon Valley exec yeah. right who can who contests the Senate race yes yeah. and it's um it kind of came out in the wake of obviously Hillary Clinton's uh, loss or win should we call it but actually eventual <laughs> loss um and I saw this and I was so excited. Um, yeah. She is a remarkable writer and it is ripe for adaptation. You've well, got to imagine extra exciting that. Friend of Terry program. We're calling it now. That's right. Julia Roberts stars as Friend of Terry. That's why I'm. Julia I regard Roberts it. is starring as a celebrity friend. Just as a side note to to the podcast, if you are a celebrity and would like to be my friend, my Twitter handle is <laughs> at James C. Dyer. Do get in touch. Uh, we will be holding auditions for. Hasn't James for... Gordon been in touch with you? No, no, he no, hasn't. Okay. He's still ignoring All me. Right. Okay. No. So let me get it straight. We've got make James laugh and be James's mate. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I'm basically using this uh, this podcast for my own nefarious yeah, ends. Clearly. What about get James laid, or is that too oh, uh, ambitious? That could be too inappropriate. Unbelievable. <laughs> I don't. I don't see our listeners that way. <laughs> I don't see our listeners that way. I mean, you know. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm going. Sure, to... they don't no. see you that yes, way. I'm yes. almost certain that is true. I am going to say the most demented news of this week has to be the Beverly Hills 90210 news. Have you seen this? 
You remember Beverly Hills 90210 was rebooted as 90210? Of yeah, course. It was yeah, shite. And yeah. it was shite. And it had like a bunch of them, like Jenny Garsh, Shannon Doherty, and Toy Spelling, and people like there were a bunch of people in it from the original 90210. Well, it's being rebooted again, but in a really kind of meta, bizarre way. So the second revival takes place, it reunites nearly everyone from the original cast, where they come back to Beverly Hills to reboot. Beverly Hills 90210 and they all play themselves or rather caricatured versions of themselves so so Jason Priestley will be playing Jason Priestley not Brandon Walsh I quite like it I quite like the idea but playing himself playing Brandon Walsh yeah I think it's it's like it's a demented meta thing where they play themselves it's like the series of um, Kirby Enthusiasm when fake um, Larry gathered (laughs) the fake versions of his real Seinfeld friends to do a Seinfeld reunion and it was all fictionalised in the season. It's yes. like that. It's like they've taken yes. that idea and they've, and they've turned it into, we're really going to do this. Mm. Yeah. So Jenny Garth, Jenny, uh, Jenny Garth, Jason Priestley, Toy Spelling, Ian Ziering, Brian Austin Green and Gabrielle Carteris are doing this. Shannon Doherty and Luke Perry are not expected to be involved. But, uh, but that, I mean, this, I'm going to watch this just because what the fuck? I mean, if Luke Perry's not involved, though. Un- unrelated to 90210, um, have you seen the Gremlins thing? Like, they're doing a an animated Gremlins sort of prequel series in which Mr. Wing, the original owner of Gizmo, wanders around with his pet Mogwai getting in adventures. Oh, God. What is happening? Uh, yeah. Th- I, think, I think you've reached the end of the news. I see, see, <laughs> Boyd, I, I, you see you say that, but I've yeah. saved the best to last. Oh, uh, really? Have you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Is this more Rain Wilson-based casting news? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It is. I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. No, no, boy. Oh. Funny you should ask. Star Trek Discovery has oh. not not just been confirmed season three because that's you know taken as a given, but it has a new showrunner. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, Michelle Paradise, who uh, sort of joined midway through this season, season two, has now been granted co-showrunner status with Alex Kurtzman for season three. Okay. That's kind of exciting. So kind the, of. Well, she's really, she's really into her trick, and, and apparently, they say, has brought, you know, lots of tricky goodness to the show. Tricky so, goodness. So that tricky goodness will now carry on to season three. Fair enough. And with that, news is finished. Good, because we've got five bloody things to review. We do. We have a lot to review this week. This was a mental one. We had six things. We managed to kill one, but that's still left us with five we tried to pick three of these that we could cover and failed so we're going to try and go through all five of these do bear with us first up in reviews is afterlife this is written by and starring ricky gervais as a recently bereaved man who deals with the loss of his wife by committing to being an absolute twat to everyone he meets what did we think of this? So I'm going to start because I think Boyd might be biased. <laughs> Boyd hosted the Q&A the other night. I did the host the Q&A. Um, full, full disclosure. Full disclosure. And, and Ricky's one of his celebrity trailer. friends. So I should say, the premise, it, this, the, it actually opens on a video from his wife who's clearly ill at that point. We later learn she's um, died of cancer. Kind of one of those classic what to do when I'm dead videos, but it instantly becomes clear that this is uh, quite unusual, really foul mouth, really dark, really inappropriate. Um, so Ricky Gervais plays Tony as you say his wife dies he contemplates suicide um, and then just decides to live long enough to be a complete dick to the whole world because he's so angry that his wife has died it is thoroughly depressing and bleak in places I was surprised by how much I like it in terms of um, I struggle with some of Gervais's uh, recent output as do I the only thing I thought actually was, and you get, and I only watched the first episode, and you get a glimpse at the end of this, but 
there's you don't really get established why she loved him and why their relationship was so great and actually why what he was like before so for it to work in terms of he's now this hardened brutal person who has been so torn apart by grief that he's become a shell of who he was before there isn't enough for me in the first episode establishing work done about establishing who he was the good guy that he used to be presumably the positive guy and because it is Ricky Gervais and he plays that cynical kind of awkward bell-end character quite mm-hmm. well you're you that's your starting point so I kept having to remind myself that this isn't apparently what he's always been like that he had a previous life where he was happy and warm and presumably softer so I was surprised that it did the emotional beats as delicately and as authentically as it did but I I did struggle to kind of believe this performance of him has as having fundamentally changed due to this experience and maybe as it goes on we'll understand more about Mm. the good man he was before and the man who'd been broken by what he'd been through see i worry how sustainable the bellendery is yeah you only watch one episode i only watch one episode and weirdly this passed the james dyer laugh test as in i laughed twice at this once in particular uh i won't give it away his interaction with a small ginger-haired boy made me laugh aloud on the train it's genuinely very funny in places, uh, but he is such a twat. And in this sort of short half hour space, it's fine. I do wonder whether that will grate after a while. I mean, boy, you've seen a few, so you. I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, I've seen the whole thing. And um, funnily enough, he to to when he 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 sent the message out to everyone reviewing it. Not everyone reviewing it on podcasts, but all the, all the written, all the journalists from like you know all the all the TV review sites to watch all six episodes. He was very right. keen, and it, it, particularly because there's a lot more footage of him and his wife right. from back in the day that he's watching on his laptop so as well as that video diary she yes. does which is all about her having cancer and, and, yes. and about to die there's also a lot of stuff of them messing about with each other which we only get a fragment right, of, a fraction first, of exactly yeah, and so um, and in fact um, at the q and I hosted the other person who took part of the q was Kerry Goldman who plays his wife and I think he mm. felt that it was important for the two of them to talk about the show rather than any of the ensemble there's a big ensemble cast yeah. brilliant cast um, but she is the special character, and and funny enough, them talking about how they did their scenes together, how to recreate this relationship of not just any old any marriage, but a marriage between two best mates yeah. who are having fun together, um, was key, and that is a key to it. I think mm. that's really key. So it's a, you're absolutely right. It really, and they do establish it thankfully. I think yeah. as it goes on, I, I am totally biased. So completely, yeah, I hosted the Q and A and. I know Ricky and but this is my favourite thing he's done since The Office definitely I think it is it's just a proper new thing for him and I think it is it's bolder than anything he's done because it really gets not and I hate to use the word dark people say dark comedy and it's a bit of a cliche because pretty much every TV comedy now is a bit dark otherwise people feel they can't Mm. enjoy it properly but this is actually dramatic it goes to dramatic places at the end of episode 2 slight spoiler alert but I'm saying it anyway he takes heroin like he takes heroin as a kind of just to see what it's like because he hasn't got anything to lose so as well as the thing about being a twat to everyone he's also doing stuff that it just he does not give a shit and to and to have a scene where he's lying there doing you know <laughs> snorting heroin taking heroin with this guy while a vision of his wife kind of materials is really different for him and I thought it pulled and as you say I think it pulls off that stuff the emotional stuff really really well and by the way it's incredibly moving and powerful so I do love it I have to say and it is really funny at the same time I mean, to do the really funny at the same time stuff with proper jokes yeah. like the ginger yeah. boy yeah. Yeah. and 
it's a really hard thing to pull off, it's and I think he's, that he's balance like, of sort of pathos yeah. and yeah. tragedy and, and the comedy. response in it, you know it was a BAFTA screening, and it wasn't all mates of his part of like me. Uh, it was an incredible response. It was it definitely so. I think it's it's great. Yeah. Okay. Really well, great. that is Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, which drops on Netflix on Friday the eighth of March. Meanwhile, on terrestrial television, uh, starting on Tuesday, is Derry Girls, the return of Lisa McGee's show. Now, this has been one of our favourite comedies for a while. Uh, Series 2 sees the return of Erin Clare, Orla, Michelle and the wee English fella as they navigate adolescence in early 90s Northern Ireland. I think, genuinely, this show is hands down one of the funniest shows on television, and it is one that I love. I will say, though, so I watched the first one of these... Uh, the first one of series two, in which the gang sort of end up in an outdoor pursuits weekend with a load of Protestants. And it was fun, and it was good, and it, but it just felt like a good episode of Derry Girls. It was fine. You know, it was on, and I think we've been spoiled because Fleabag was not just great, it was like knock it out the park better than the first series great. Whereas I thought this felt like Derry Girls on, I don't want to say autopilot, but it was, just, it was standard Derry Girls, and that in itself is a great thing. But then I saw episode two, and episode two I thought was really, really good. So actually, this, this maintains its crown, I think, as among the funniest things on TV. Yeah, so I, I agree. I only watched the first one, and I mean, it starts brilliantly. It, it starts, I mean, it subverts from the very first <laughs> one. There's an incredibly funny opening scene, and it picks up the threads that it had left kind of quite dramatically mm. at the end of the first season so beautifully and so kind of casually the the kind of all references to to um to Claire's kind of you know now she's out of the closet and there's all the um will your crowd be going and <laughs> and questions about protestant lesbians and the way all of that handled is so so funny but I didn't watch the second episode I just watched the first and it felt a little not slow in the traditional sense, but just, as you say, it was really consistent. It was really um, just steady, really, yes. really steady. But I didn't kind of come away from it being like... Strong and is, stable episode yeah. of Derry yeah. Girls. Strong and stable. <laughs> I agree, and I also agree, the second episode is fantastic. Yeah. So the second, it's like the second episode is almost the equivalent of the Fleabag opening episode in terms of it's, it, I think it's one of the best episodes and so it far. Has, it's like a Dead poet Society riff. Yeah. And then they good. bring in a new teacher, and she is this inspirational, insouciant yeah. figure. She is brilliant. Um, and that is also the 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 storyline involving the adults involves um, uh, the usual suspects. That's a see the usual genius, suspects. and it's so funny. It's just them trying to work out who what's going on <laughs> to who Kaiser Soze is. It's so brilliant, and it, it, so everything about episode two is phenomenal. And I think yeah, episode one it feels like a, a kind of a, re- a reintroduction yeah. of this ensemble, yeah. reminding you of who they all are. And it does, and it's still really lovely and enjoyable. But episode two is where I think it really you're right, right. It's back, back, and it's as good as ever was if not better yeah. definitely. I don't think anyone needs us to go into any more detail than that this is one of the best comedies around if you're not watching it you're you're an idiot we should so. just underline though this is a comedy on TV oh yeah that I like that you like yeah that so genuinely why is it about this that's different to all the it's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an enigma I'm an enigma boy wrapped <laughs> I mean, up in a mystery that's one word for it <laughs> <laughs> um this does make me like. It makes the thing. The thing with this is, yes, it probably did make me laugh a couple of times, uh, but more than that, it gives me a sense of just general happiness all the way through. Mm, like okay. I am gently just just happy watching it, <laughs> oh. and that's not something I get that often. So yeah, I, re- I think I think Derry Girls is great. I think it's a, it's a beautifully written show and wonderfully performed. I think all of the leads are great in this. Mm. Uh, so I recommend 
everyone watch this. The first episode lands on Channel 4, Tuesday the 5th of March at 9.15pm. And then following directly on from Derry Girls on Tuesday is Home, created by and starring Rufus Jones. This is a half-hour comedy that centres around the sort of aftermath of a holiday to France when the Brexit-loving Peter, his girlfriend Katie and her son John, arrive home in Dorking to discover that a Syrian refugee has stowed away in the boot of their car. Uh, Sammy, as he turns out to be called, is subsequently adopted to the family, much to Peter's disgust. I looked at the synopsis for this, and I didn't think it was actually going to be my cup of tea. But genuinely, this is really funny. I really, yes. really enjoyed this. Um, I think it's topical. It's it's really well handled. And it has loads and loads of heart. Rufus Jones plays this kind of Daily Mail subscribing Peter Bellend guy just beautifully. Like, he was... I, uh, he was um, he plays Stan and Ollie's agent in yes. obviously Stan and Ollie, and it's that he he has that excellence of the where he makes it. He's clearly an absolute dick, but you like him anyway, mm. and that's a really hard line to walk. So I really, really enjoyed him in this, uh, and the riffs he have with Sammy, who's played by uh, Yusuf Kirkor, he's that's really really works as well. But yeah, I, I thought this was great. There's a couple of really lovely lovely moments in this, and there, I wanted to watch the second one and didn't get time, but I will I will be picking up the second one. What did you guys think of this one? I agree with you. I, I um, started watching it and the initial setup, I was already like rolling my eyes. Mm. It was like difficult stepdad, doesn't get on with the kid, mistakes, you know, a DC character for being part of the Marvel Universe. And I was like, <laughs> oh God, this is going to be tedious. And then essentially from the moment he opens the boot and there's like a Syrian man's face. Spectacular and, bit of physical oh comedy in the God, reveal as well. Just incredible. And from then it kind of like nothing is as you'd expect. And as you say, the humour is incredible. The physical humour is mm. insane. Just some of the lovely little um, bits, like the bit, his disappointment when he realises it's in Dorking. He's like, it's London. <laughs> They're like, Dorking. And he's like, oh. 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 And I thought it was really funny, as you say, really beautifully handled, full of heart, fantastic writing. I really, really enjoyed this yeah. so much more than I expected yeah. to. It's, it's really oh, good. I'm so pleased because I love Rufus Jones um, and friend. he semi friend, mm-hmm. um, and, not full friend. I'm never so he's, close he's, he's in the holding I'm, area. To be holding area. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's a, he's a, he's a love. He's a, such a brilliant guy. But he's he's been. I've just loved his performances. You know, in he was in Camping in Hunterby too. He does play a lot of a variety of Belens mm. and kind of throws himself into the Belendry. That's them. what works because he right. does it wholeheartedly so, right. without reservation. So, this, but this is the first thing he's written. This is the first. It was, it was a short on all four, and it, they called it a blap. And um, you know, this is the first proper series he's written, and I think he's just done a brilliant job because mm. the dialogue is proper yeah. comedy, really funny, good, yeah. really but good. But the Syrian refugee element is really authentic and fascinating, and this is a fully rounded, three-dimensional, likable figure of Syrian refugee, as you say, brilliantly played by Yusuf Kokur. And he brought in Rufus brought in a an advisor who who made his own film about what it's like crossing the sea mm. to as as a migrant, and he got him in, and he was like. Oh, a huge creative element in, in the making of the show and you can tell because the stuff where which follows throughout the series of um, I've seen a few episodes now where he has to deal with the surreal lunacy of the refugee system yeah. is so authentic and I said at one point I said to him you know what, how would you sum up the experience there, there's no, there is no way of summing up it's completely different for every single person who has to deal with it and if you watch Newsnight the other night Newsnight had a whole thing about how private companies run yeah. the refugee mm. system and it is sh- and, 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 and in an incredibly light touch because it's a funny it's like a domestic sitcom yeah. Yeah. but also about refugees it's such a brilliant marriage of those two things I love it but fair play to me so this is the first thing like his yeah. first sitcom he's written like 
to take a subject like this, which it would be so easy to fuck up, yeah, and absolutely. to do it so well, yeah. is actually really, really impressive. Just little moments where you know, because it's a, it's it's really funny, but it's a very serious subject matter. And I think there's a, there's a couple of really lovely, sweet sort of moments that give you a real kind of pang. Like mm. when he said, "Oh, is there anything I could do to make you feel more at home?" And he's like, "Knock down two walls and blow up the toilet." And you're like, "That's funny, but yeah. it's also horrific because yeah. he's yeah. come from a war zone in Syria." Yeah. No, really. And the little this. Brexit references, I love. Yeah. There's one in the first episode where he says, "I wanted to send a message to Westminster." Yeah. <laughs> which just sums up and Brexit the, better than like yeah. bazillions of things I've ever seen. I mean, the the switch tonally is handled so beautifully yeah. because it, the first moment when they're sat on the wall and he talks about um, not knowing where his wife and son mm. are and mm. the moment they got split up, he says it and then they've moved on to something else and it's not laboured at all in any way, yeah, but it's absolutely. really incredibly authentic. And he, he's not afraid to jump quite kind of aggressively and quickly tonally from moments mm. of just pure slapstick in places mm. like absolute yeah. slapstick to moments of real emotional authenticity and depth which then kind of dissolve in front of you and, and you've already moved on to something else totally yeah. it's beautifully handled yeah that is the excellent home which debuts just after Derry Girls uh, on Tuesday the 5th of March what at 9.45pm on Channel 4 a what bill. a double bill come for Derry Girls stay for home <laughs> recommend them both Next up is Channel 4's Leaving Neverland. This is a Channel 4 documentary which explores allegations of child sexual abuse levelled at Michael Jackson by the families of two boys he allegedly abused who were 7 and 10, I think, at the time, but are now in their 30s. So, Boyd, yes. were, were the facts here, black or white, did oh, Jackson dear. beat it? Oh, is he a oh, smooth no. criminal? Oh, and, Jesus. most importantly, is this documentary dangerous or simply bad? Oh, my God. Um, I tried to do an Earth song in yes. there, but I couldn't make it work. We should say that this, so this is this HBO Channel Four co-production is four hours long, in t- as it airs pretty much. So with ads and everything. So if without ads, as I got to see, it's it's still about three and a half hours long. So I don't think either of you have had the time in your busy weeks to fully turn yeah. your attention to this. It will show. shock you to hear I didn't watch this four-hour yeah. documentary. No, I mean I'm not sure that you didn't. No, <laughs> um, but it is incredible. So it, and and I think what's already it's changed the world of. Michael Jackson fandom into the extent to which if you're one of those, and I'm using the word advisedly, psychopathic fans <laughs> of his who refuses to accept even the possibility that these people in this four-hour testimony are telling the truth, and you're actually attacking them on social media, and anyone who talks about this program has been attacked on social media, anyone who's like journalists who've said, oh, I watched the Michael Jackson documentary, and it's incredible, and it's obviously true, they're getting attacked on social media. It is absolutely insane what's happening. When it actually airs over two nights on Channel 4 and it's HBO, I think the night before in America, it's going to change the world because now we all know exactly the horrific nature of him and his um, abuse of these children, which went from, from one of them from seven years from seven to 14. And it is the, the power of the program is that it's all about these two individuals and their parallel stories and how, um, and, and part of the reason why it's so obviously they're not lying in this case and they have so before they they both defended jackson back in the day when they were younger and now you know they're they're fully recanting they're explaining what and they explain why and they go into all of that but it's about these two individuals these two um now adults you know painfully going through every single moment of how he groomed them and abused them Mm. and groomed their families as well and it's you've got to watch it all the way through to the end because it's really about what happened afterwards as well and how the families dealt with it and how it it, it just destroyed, kind of destroyed the families to some extent, still 
echoing now, obviously, in their lives as they're living now, and still the pain of it is unbelievable. And just so many things. It, it's a bit like the R. Kelly one, where, after, as you know, the, the power of celebrity that Michael Jackson, the most famous person, thought he could do anything, mm. you know, and yet still was aware. He had to kind of keep it a secret, and, you know, and that, all that element of it is really horrible and nasty. The detail of it, which is partly there, I think, you might, while you're watching it, you might think, why are they going into this much detail? And they really do, down to individual kind of moment abusive acts physical acts and it's because it's showing the pattern of these two and how they both endured the same thing and had the same almost like literally graduate graduated from one thing to another throughout their lives it's incredibly powerful unlike maybe like the r kelly thing and other documents it's not there's no experts chiming in there's no anyone else who knows them it's just the individuals and their families who who talk extensively and um, there's a lot of footage of Michael Jackson obviously but it's absolutely about them the very clever thing that it's done and it's it's unbelievably shocking and disturbing sounds incredibly powerful and if nothing else really hits home how wildly inappropriate my pun heavy introduction to that was so sorry about that people um, that is Leaving Neverland which debuts on Channel 4 when is it debut Boyd? Uh, Wednesday the 6th and Thursday the 7th 9pm there we go Leaving Neverland Finally this week, we have Mother, Father, Son on BBC Two, which stars Richard Gere and Billy Howell as Max and Caden Finch, a father sort of and son scion of a media empire that extends to a fictitious British newspaper. Max is, is like an abusive, controlling, absentee father. Caden, a drug-addicted wreck with a deeply, deeply weird sexual fetish. And caught between them is Helen McCrory as Max's ex-wife. Now, this there's a murder, there's a mystery, uh, and I have to say... One of the most uncomfortable sex sequences I have experienced since Sally Forever. Yes. Full disclosure again, I'm afraid I hosted this Q&A. Oh, my God. And so I had to say, and I did say after the, after the episode to the creator, Tom Rod Smith, I did say it on stage, it was one of the, the most bizarre sex scenes I've ever seen in my life. And he acknowledged the fact that, yes, you know, fair enough. But, but not funny. No, it's horrific. not It's horrific and weird. And I think it is all about, that particular thing is all about showing the psychopathy of this character, this boy who has effectively, yeah, been brought up by one extraordinarily horrendously self-absorbed and selfish yeah. man played by Richard Gere and a kind of slightly absent by force as you learn that more so I get this I've seen three episodes of this I'm afraid sorry you find out more about how why his his ex-wife played by brilliantly by Henry Corey has been yeah. forced out of the relationship and that pain so this poor boy has had to missing his mother through no fault of her own had him controlling his life this horrendous bullying twat played by Richard Gere <laughs> yeah. who, who owns half of the media a kind of Murdoch-like figure shall we say and um, that sex scene kind of does dra- I felt validly dramatised appalling and, and sick as it was what it's going on in his mind and then I think the real for me the really interesting thing about this series is you think it's kind of going to be partly about how does this media tycoon and that world affect his family but then it totally pulls the rug from under you because at the end of the first thing that happens at the end of the, of the yeah. opening episode is then what it turns out the whole series is about which is this thing that happens to Billy Howe's character that changes everyone's lives forever and changes him yeah it's an interesting because when this kicked in and gear i think plays max spec i mean horrifically yeah. but really really well i thought like he shared a lot of dna with succession do you know what i mean mm. i thought this is about this is a media exactly. tycoon right it's going to be about the family it's going to be about power yeah. and, and actually it isn't at all no and what's interesting about this is the first episode really doesn't tell you what it's about like no like, i got to the it's end of the first one and and i realized i 
if I'd had time, I'd have watched the second one because I still at this point don't really know what this show is about because the first one is all background and it's all setting the scene and the characters and laying the table and no one brings the food out until episode two. But I, I thought it was great. I thought it was properly <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Really just all over the shop in terms of, of in terms of what people are able to do to each other's psyches. But uh, well, don't you think... I, it's not what I expected at all. No. I no. don't think it's going to be what anybody expects. No. So I thought it's going to be a riff on Murdoch. It opens with a scene which you imagine is... Um, inspired by the Millie Dowler phone hacking case. You've yeah. got somebody listening to frantic voicemails from a parent of a missing girl. There's a phone half buried in mud. You kind of think it's going to be riffing on that tabloid yeah. culture. Max runs this global enterprise. His son runs the UK publication, you know, like exactly like the setup with the Murdochs. And then when there's a, there is a murder and you're like, hang on, what just happened? This mm. is not what I think it's going to be at all. Um, and it kind of does completely pull the rug from under you because you think, I thought it was going to be a BBC kind of a, a mainly psychological, intellectualised thr- family thriller, essentially, um, about the dynamics that have driven this family apart, essentially, even though they seeming, parts of it seemingly stay together over the course of three decades. But ultimately, it's suddenly like it goes off on a very weird tangent. And like you, I've seen one episode and I'm like, I have no sense What's of, this what, about? of what the fuck <laughs> is happening. Um, I think gear is fantastic, I have to say. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, we interviewed him for the new issue of Pilot, which is still on sale um, at the moment. Um, and he just plays that kind of... There's kind of quite American psycho Patrick Bateman yeah. moments yeah. and yeah. riffs. Around his vanity, around extraordinary the level of control he needs to exert Mm. over his son and the psychological bullying as he tries to just minimise him. Yeah, Uh, it's really unpleasant to watch Mm. in that way. It's 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 it is one of the most intense. I think what I think is brilliant about it is that it sustains a level of intensity and yet does have moments of humour. It's Tom Rob Smith who wrote um, the assassination of Jenny Versace. Mm. Now he's very very won a lot of awards for that quite rightly. I think this is him. He's got a story and it's it's inspired by truth, a real thing that happened to one of his best friends who was in an accident and suffered a stroke. And um, so that bit it's important to bear that in mind. So it's lo- that was the inspiration for it. He then put that into the context of this most powerful family, and it, it's a it's just I think it is a really a genuinely unusual, massively original thing, and I think it's extraordinary. But you do have to carry on watching it <laughs> to get what it, what it's yeah. all about. That is mother, father, son, all one word, incidentally, uh, which begins BBC Two Wednesday, sixth of March at nine p.m. That is. An extraordinary collection of shows this week, and all of them good, and all of them to be recommended. So I'd say catch them all if you've got the time and you don't have a social life. If you absolutely had to watch one, I would say the Tuesday night double bill of Derry Girls and Home is probably the way to go. Wow. Yeah? I mean, it's hard. It's really. Can I just say as well, while Terry thinks about what if she's going to pick one thing, favourite thing... We also didn't have time to do Louis Theroux's new documentary, which is The Night in Question, which is on Monday night Mm. um, uh, at 9pm on BBC Two. And that is all about him looking at the world of um, sexual assault on American college campuses, which is a massively important topic. And I've watched the first half of this, and it focuses on one particular case. It's one of those documentaries where he started making it about this general issue. Mm. 
got involved, you know, embroiled in this particular place, and that takes over. And that in itself is a fascinating thing, the process of watching it. So that is also musty viewing. Just to add to it. Oh, great. So yeah. no, none of you can go out this week. And there's no. also, isn't it, Netflix have dropped a there's show? A ne- yeah, there's a Netflix teen kind of fantasy thing as well, arriving on the Thursday. What's it called? <laughs> Thursday the 7th. Um, I'll find out. Isn't it the, like the cult, the coven, the gang, the tribe? The, the order. The order. The order. <laughs> the order follows a college oh freshman God. who's thrust into a world of magic monsters <clears throat> and intrigue. It oh, sounds like your I thing. I am absolutely yeah. watching that. And this is one of those Netflix things that just arrives without them really telling you much in advance. I knew it was a collective noun. Yeah, and that's uh, on the Thursday before Afterlife drops on the Friday. All right, so Thursday the order seven. as well. So essentially what we're saying is none of you can go out this <laughs> no. week. We're really sorry, but you have to watch everything. Yeah. I say, uh, I say, hmm, home on, on the basis of the episodes I've watched, home, but Derry Girl is the one I'm most excited to see on They're back to back. There's no excuse not to watch both. You're True. correct. And I'm saying watch Afterlife and watch it all in one go. Okay, so watch Afterlife all in one go. Don't go out under any circumstances on Tuesday night. Must see Leaving Neverland, that's four hours long. There's the new Netflix show. You've got this, the motherfuckers. And basically, just, just stay in And don't forget, time. Fleabag actually starts this week as well, but we read it last week. Oh, yes, and Fleabag as well. Just saying. It is, an unbe- yeah. it is one of the most incredible weeks. Of, and without wanting to sound too cheesy, showing the absolutely unique brilliance of British television. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because most of these things are British. In fact, all, I think Do you British. think this is Brexit propaganda? It should be. <laughs> <laughs> yes we don't need the rest no. of the world oh my god we've still got banshee to do haven't we i've just yes. realized i was about to pack up yes we do see you thought well, you could exhausted. leave so you can't leave over. before banshee oh. do you want to go first boyd oh uh, well, all right yeah i did actually come up with one which was um moon boy does anyone ever watch moon boy someone has actually recommended Have that they? for make james laugh oh, i've good. never I've, i don't is it, hang on i want to say it's 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 yes yes it's on the tip of your tongue what's his chops welsh yes. chap no irish you doofus no, chris o'dell the welsh chap <laughs> no we're keeping that <laughs> no, in we're no, keeping no, that no, in he'll love it he'll love it <laughs> he'll love it <laughs> yeah he's so welsh chris o'dell he's famous for it yeah um this was a great uh, a lovely lovely comedy series that was based on the idea of when of being a kid in ireland and having a fantasy um imaginary friend and chris o'dell plays the imaginary friend of this lovely little boy and it's really um it's it, sweet sounds like you know it's gonna be saccharine but it's not and it also has a kind of razor shot wit to it and it ran for three series i think on sky sky one i don't think many people watched it because sometimes sky shows don't break through but it's pure unadulterated chris o'dell joy and it's all on the sky um and now tv box sets i think well there you go moon yeah. boy exciting moon stuff boy. no i've never seen that i will i will add that to my my mate james laugh list good terry best, what was yours best of welsh tv yeah. <laughs> james it's list. all about the welsh community <laughs> yeah of, yeah i feel i feel i may have misstepped that and you've both gone out of your way too much or i now can't cut. you can't edit it no and i really wanted to cut that out and i now can't enter that cut bit. it out i'm going to tweet the exchange i just look i got confused <laughs> my banshee this week is pulling oh yes very good and when I say my banshee, I most like to look at James's face. <laughs> yeah. He looks at me yeah. Quizzical. I've heard of it. I can't think That's what it is. That's not set in space. It's it's three. It's it's about three women, which may explain why you um, <laughs> haven't heard of it. Um, it is Sharon Horgan. Very, very early Sharon Horgan. There was two series of this, and it was 2006, I want to say, Boyd. Mm, yeah. um, showed on BBC Three, and it was about these three friends who lived in Penge. Funny as fuck. Real, you can kind of see the evolution of Sharon Horgan from the show. Like, she co-wrote it. Um, they won British Comedy Awards. Um, it was, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as say it was like cult at the time, but mm. it was one of the first proper 
female, apart from like Smack the Pony and those kind of uh, comedies, is that the word that I'd use? Yeah. Weren't that funny? Yeah. Um, but but, <laughs> but pulling, pulling, I thought is it was actually one of the first really well written, not kind of sketchy, but just really kind of really funny, really well written. And totally showed the promise that Sharon Hogan would go on to mm. exploit and, you know, spurt all over our television screens. I'm going to add that to my to my watch list. Actually, yeah. it's that, great. It was a mm. real. It was a real. People. It was a very um, much adored. In fact, I remember when they didn't commission a third series, there was a yeah. massive outcry, and they yeah. did a special instead. And you wrote with Dennis Kelly of uh, Utopia. That's thing. right. I've added. Cr- you know, I've added um, crashing to my uh, to my watch list Good. as well. Good. See, you know, no, it's all very well adding them in listen. your br- in your head, but we're actually watching them. No, I've written them down. Oh, okay. I've written oh, them well on my done. app. Actual physical watch list. Congratulations. Uh, I'm, I'm going to watch those. So, you know, this podcast is great for me as well. Do you have a watch list in pen? <laughs> Do you? No. Do you? Is it on your thigh? Do you write your watch list on your thigh? Yeah. Yeah, I do. In a thigh. Shave, yeah. your, shave your thigh. I do. Moisturise it. Yeah. Whoa. Write it on in a pink biro. Yeah. And then... Instagram laminate it. it. <laughs> laminate it with laminate cling it. film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, okay. That's how we do. What's your banshee, James? All right. Here we go. For this week's Banshee, I am going for Southland. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah? yeah? Please, yeah. please, I want to Bit say like please. Bit like The Shield. Bit like The Shield. Yes, yes. So this this was a show by um by Ray Donovan creator Anne Biderman. Uh, ran for five seasons between 2009 and 2013. It was, a, it was an L.A. set, police drama set. It's called Southland. I didn't realise until after it finished. So Southland is an old newspaper term for the area of Southern California that includes the kind of greater Los Angeles area. This is at no point is made clear during the show, but I'm assuming people in America know this. But it's, it's a police drama, but crucially... Sorry, Terry, it's not a procedural. I know, this yeah. is why I've never watched it. No, it's very, very character-oriented. Um, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you had uh, Ben Sherman, who was hot off the OC at the time. Michael Cudlitz is in it. But the reason I actually brought it up this week was well, among its ensemble cast, which is really good, was Regina King as Detective Lydia Adams. King, of course, won the uh, Best Supporting Actress Oscar last week for If Beale Street Could Talk. So she was she was really really good in this, but it dealt with you know like she was struggling like bringing up a family and being a police detective. They all had their personal shit that they had to deal with as well. Like Michael Cudlitz was secretly gay and didn't want to come out, and it was you know lots and lots going on. It was shot in a very gritty kind of authentic uh, sort of verite style. And even though it was uh, a network show, it was on NBC. It was full of swearing, albeit beeped out to stop network audiences from fainting. It wasn't quite the S.H.I.E.L.D. calibre, but it did share some of that sort of unflinching realism, so similar kind of DNA to the S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, NBC, interestingly, in, NBC abandoned this after one season, but it was picked up by TNT for a subsequent four after that. Uh, I think it was on more four, I want to say, here in the UK. Uh, the yeah. injustice, though, the injustice of this was that season five ended on this huge plot point where a major character kind of loses his absolute shit, and you're like, oh my god, this is getting really serious. And frustratingly, they then fucking cancelled it so it went completely unresolved uh, and TNT axed it and season 6 never came so that was it we never know how it finished but it is and I, again that's normally a deal breaker for me but this is really really good it did get a DVD release which has the added bonus of keeping the swearing intact which I very much appreciate and you can pick up it's weird you can pick up season 1 and 2 in a double pack for about £2.50 you can pick up 3 and 4 for about £4 and then season 5 you have to get on its own so it's a weird thing but they're also all available on iTunes and, and Prime Video and so that's Southland and it's it's well worth a look excellent yeah well done and that's it are you going to do a rewatch of it uh, of Southland no to follow on from my Shield yeah. rewatch no yeah. I'm no, not just say no I'm not just planning a Southland yeah. Yeah. no Good. none of you need that Good. before we go there is one other thing we want to point out there is a 
an Empire Alan Partridge Belfast, which is available now to download, starring Pilot TV's Boyd Hilton. Yes, I think it is a special Pilot TV podcast with guests hosting from Chris Hewitt and Nick. Nick yeah, I like to think that. It's yeah. a Pilot TV Alan Partridge special, but with yeah. Chris and Nick in exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. At the very least, it's a crossover. Yeah. At last. It's what everyone's wanted. Yeah, but you'll find it on the Empire channel, not the Pilot channel. Okay, all right, fair yeah. enough. So there you go. So if you want a bit more Partridge, do download that now. It will be loads of fun. And that is it for another Pilot TV podcast. If you would like to leave your feedback and outline your reasons why this podcast would benefit immeasurably by my absence, then feel free to leave a comment to that effect on iTunes, along with a five-star rating. And if you'd like to become my celebrity friend, do contact me on Twitter and we can arrange to have a coffee or something. If you'd like to commune with the rest of us on social media, then please do so at Pilot TV Mag. Although, given the volume of new TV this week, I'll be amazed if any of you get the chance. Join us next week when, by great Odin's Raven, we will be reacquainting ourselves with Brian Fuller's, now Brian Fuller-less, American Gods. Pilot out.